Dunn spun away, looking, shooting! Dunn with a goal! Welcome back to another episode of Diaspora United. We are the number 146th ranked Apple podcast in sports in Russia. Shout out to us. Thank you for that email. <laughs> that was fantastic to learn. Uh, Russia, 146. Thank you, guys. Whoever's listening in Russia. Uh, <laughs> Courtney's cracking up already. Um, I'm here. I'm Andre. I'm here with Courtney. Courtney, if you uh, can can muster some words through the laughter, uh, say hello to the good people. Hello. That was such a funny <laughs> and, email to get. <laughs> it was so random. I was reading. I was like, "Ooh, number one forty-six. Oh, wow. That's a lot of like. That's pretty impressive. We haven't been around for a while." And then in Russia, and I'm like, "Ah, okay." <laughs> But still, all right, I didn't know we would be listened to in Russia at all, so maybe maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Um, we are joined here by Bria Felician, who is going to join us to talk about She Believes Cup and uh, hang out with us. Bria, how are you doing? I am good. Thank you all for having me on this very wildly successful podcast that you just started. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You will be heard in Russia. We can guarantee you that, uh, which is a strange guarantee. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. So we're going to start out talking a little bit about She Believes Cup. We're going to talk about the matches, um, some of the matches that we've been uh, keeping our eye on. Uh, then we're going to take a little break and get into everyone's favorite subject, certainly ours. You know, our first <laughs> our first podcast was basically we're, we're tired. Yep, we're still tired uh, and, and getting more tired by the day, minute, hour. Uh, thank you. Uh, United States of America. Moving on. <laughs> we'll get to all that later. Um, USA versus Canada. Let's start there. That was kind of an interesting match, a little bit tougher than what I thought uh, it would be. Uh, how, Courtney, how did you think the midfield did with Macario, Haran, and, and Ertz in there? Um, I thought for large portions of the game, they honestly were just kind of absent. Um, I don't necessarily know if it was maybe the rotation or anything like that, but there were definitely moments where I was watching, and I think also, for a lot of people, this game was probably a lot more competitive than we thought it was going to be. I feel like the commentator said 15,000 times that uh, Canada hasn't beaten the United States since like 2001 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I was, that was like one thing that, you know, kind of made me a little bit nervous about facing more and more opposition of being able to be bypassed in the midfield so quickly. Like I know with one of Michelle Prince's um, really big chances, like, that just kind of came off of a, a long ball that, and to be fair, Michelle Prince made like a really, really good run and kind of stuck right in between both of the center backs. But I mean, that just came from a long ball that fully bypassed like every, like all other what nine or eight or nine players on the pitch. And there was definitely like a few moments where it's definitely like, hey, where is our midfield? And it, I mean, they were there when we were going forward, but definitely when they were either playing through a press really quickly or just you know, having defensive stability, I was like, where, where are they? And I, I mean, I think that also kind of talked to a lot of things on the night as a whole. I don't think we're necessarily super uh, stable defensively. Like one thing that I always look for, especially when players are like either when um, opposition is coming down or if there's like a long ball or something like that, or even just when players are defending as a team, I always look to see like, how is our defensive unit looking? Um, and I think for a lot of it, either players were out of position or just like there was absolutely no stability uh, for large portions of the match, especially when we're being hit on the counter. Yeah, Bria, did you see anything interesting in that match? I think, to be fair, 
I went into this match like, okay, I know Ken, I really wanted to see Ashley Lawrence come from PSG and Khadija Buchanan come from Lyon because I really, really am very this. I hope no one gets mad at me, but I'm really looking forward to people like taking down the U.S. or like getting closer <laughs> and closer. So that's what I was kind of like. I feel that that's my biggest takeaway was like, okay, they're coming. It's I know I really I really wanted to show Prince to score. And it's like, do I want her to be selfish? Like, you know how they say, like Americans are very selfish and Canadians are not. Like, do I want her to be selfish? Kind of. Like, I really have hope in Canada, like in the near future, being in the U.S. And that's what I took away from it. Because at the end, I was kind of disappointed. Like, just, oh, that's really what my takeaway was. I really wasn't really, um, I was surprised that Casey Kruger, formerly Casey Short, got into the match honestly I just didn't expect good things to happen for me she only it was only like 10 minutes but that, those are my exciting takeaways but otherwise I was like disappointed that the US, US <laughs> won again just you know but Canada's I feel like I know it's one game or two matches but I feel like Canada's gonna approach the US at some point I'm looking forward to it yeah, I, I mean, shout out to Nichelle Prince, honestly. that I, I still have that run, like, burned into my head. Like, I can call up the highlight anytime I want to because she, like, terrified our central defenders in a way that I haven't seen before. Like, they just knew they couldn't get close to her. And by the time they had all backed up, they were, like, almost on the goalkeeper's toes. Like, there was nothing, nowhere left for them to go. And she, I don't think she expected that reaction. So I think it's more so just her realizing she has that ability. Because if you realize you have that ability, then you can go ahead and take the shot, uh, get, you know, find the space and, and get the ball in the net. So that was like, that was kind of like my biggest takeaway is like, whoa, I have not seen anybody do that to our defenders in a long time. Or those defenders specifically, probably ever. I mean, they were, they were legit <laughs> quite, I mean, they, I don't want to say scared because they're professional athletes. They definitely weren't like scared. But I don't think they knew what to do. Uh, they couldn't handle her pace. They couldn't handle her technique. And she was running directly at them and they had nowhere to go. And that could have, like, I think I do share in your frustration because Canada should have had a goal. Canada should have probably had a couple goals. And the fact three. that, right, yeah. And, and the fact that the U.S. kind of gets out of there with their winning streak extended and they didn't play too well. And, you know, it does feel like, oh, man, that was a real chance to see what this team will have to do in terms of adjustments and everything else. And and it would have been a big boost for Canada. And those players, specifically Michelle Prince, deserved it. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing also with Michelle Prince is I think for when she plays with Houston, she normally plays on the wings. And so yeah. I'd be curious to see, especially um, when the NWSL season starts, if they start putting her in center. Because, yeah, her running, honestly, both center backs, and then it was like that chance and then um, a bad bat, like back pass that honestly can't tell you how that did not go in the net um I felt I felt like uh Michelle Prince could have had two goals Janine Becky definitely could have had a goal or two um yeah yeah and it was honestly kind of felt a little lucky that it did end up one nil even though I I mean I rewatched the game and there were definitely some moments where it's like we should be hitting the back of the net right here like I think there was um like one really good ball that was like a good curling ball that hit probably the center in the center of the 18 and it was like and I think um whoever had it like hit it off target and it was like hey you got to be hitting it on target but also one thing that I wish that I didn't really see as much really until maybe like the subs around the 60th minute but I wish since Steph um LeBay was substituted in the game and we know that she can sometimes bobble it like she bobbled it a few times last night I kind of wish a lot of the players like coming out of halftime were taking shots from maybe like 
from distance or really, really striking the ball, knowing that she could bobble and then someone else could just have an easy tap in off that. Yeah, I completely agree with that, actually. That was one of the things that was definitely missing from from the match, is I do think there was an opportunity to get some long shots on goal. And I think one of the biggest problems was Kristen Press didn't start in that match. Well, she started against Brazil, and she scored a Kristen Press, a very Kristen Press goal. I think she saw it. I can't remember if she called it her trademark or her signature, I think is what she said. Uh, yes, her signature goal. Um, just, just, just how good is she? It's ridiculous. Oh, and I was saying, um, also when she got subbed in, I mean, I think as soon as she got subbed in, there was like an immediate chance and like it went wide or something like that. But it was it was actually really interesting. I know that a lot of people were calling the subs game changers. And it was like, I mean, all of a sudden, I've, uh, like, I, I don't know, I thought we were kind of starting to tire and I also thought kind of starting to tire. I mean, I don't know what it's like down in Florida, but it seems hot all the time. Uh, I think most people would eventually start to tire, but when they did come in the game, it was like a really big spark, and it was interesting to see that radiate through the team, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when, you know, that combination with, I think once you get like Rose Lavelle and Kristen Press in the match at the same time, it causes so many problems because you you have to pay attention on the wing and you have to pay attention central, and both of those players can beat you from outside of the box. Very true. All right. So let's move on. I already kind of previewed it. I got a little excited and talked about USA Brazil a little bit and talked about Kristen Press's goal. But yeah, let's go ahead and, and, and start there because that was the moment, really the moment of the match. Brazil was playing very well uh, and, and the U.S. kind of needed that moment of magic from Kristen Press. And, and typically, like, that's that's what she does. That is why you put her on the pitch. And, you know, I don't want to get too into it here, but shout out Casey Stoney. That's why you play her on the wing. Uh, this is what she does is she dribbles by people and she puts the ball in the net from crazy angles. And that's exactly what she did here. Yeah, I was um, re-watching that part. And the interesting thing is because coming into this Brazil game, I was like, okay, how is her defense going to be? Like, are they literally also just going to quickly bypass this press and, you know, run on goal? Um, and the interesting thing about that was it actually came from like I think we had a corner or they like Brazil cleared it and it was like kind of very much in the center uh, in the middle third of like oh like any team could take it and it was weird and it was bobbling um there were definitely runners at our center backs and then <laughs> Julie Ertz somehow did this like weird almost acrobatic kick like off to the wing which get went to Lindsay Horan and then like it was like basically two passes Chris and Press cuts in and does I mean does what she always does and has like a great curler too um like across the goalkeeper but yeah I mean we and the crazy thing is it's like it is her signature like we've seen it so many times and it's like hey why break a thing that's working like if it's not broke don't like don't fix it or don't keep it out the match <laughs> with <Right. laughs> She's like, because it's so, we talked, this a lot of people talked about it, about it yesterday, um, how certain players are held back and are not necessarily able to reach their potential. Certain players can stay at a certain point and still, I mean, it's just like that in life too, because, you know, certain people can just keep jobs and not do anything for 40 years, <laughs> but it's just, she's, you just want, like being able to score that basically without looking the just the, the perfect marriage of like gifted and practice and like repetition like that Kristen Press is like it's like along with the Bina, like I get so excited when the ball is at their feet I'm just like oh my goodness what great thing do we get to watch right now oh my goodness yeah that that was beautiful that was beautiful I just I'm glad I just, just I'm picturing it like it's all loop in my head right now because we deserve like a black history month yes right <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right. We 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 definitely needed that. And and I'm I'm thinking, you know, I think repetition and that practice is really what's so key because, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, it's it's really instincts, but nah, man, these players put in a lot of work to kind of make it second nature. And that's what Kristen Press does, and that's what she did. You know, she knew that she had, you know, just just instinct, just just I was about to say instinctually, just because she's done this so many times. When she got on the ball, when the pass was made, she knew she could run into it. She knew she needed to cut inside to get a shot at goal. So she knew she had to angle her body to make sure that the defender was gonna was gonna was wasn't gonna turn before she did. And so she kind of runs right at him, gets them backing up, and then she sh- she shifts her body. She doesn't even move the ball yet. She shifts her body, scoots the ball, uh, uh, cut, cuts inside of the defender. Defender has no chance. I mean, you're not going to turn as fast as Kristen Preston and then be able to also get in front of her to block the shot. And she knew it. So as soon as she made that touch to, to change direction, the shot was like her very next kick. And her leg was already winding back to hit it. And it, there was nothing. I actually like, if you watch that goal again, one of my favorite things is the keeper's reaction. The keeper because she even doesn't move. even dive. She just puts her hand on the ground and then kind of spins around. Like, what was that that just happened to me? <laughs> I mean, honestly, she did cut in so quick that it was like, I, yeah. I, I think the best way to describe it is like muscle memory, where it's like, yeah. you do it, you know what's happening. But like, literally, <laughs> she did cut in so quick. Because uh, I did watch the replay a few times. And the keeper honestly had no chance. But it was also like a thing that happened so fast that it kind of reminds me of sometimes when there's like a really quick shot and the keeper it like it comes too fast so the keeper just kind of like falls backwards into the net (laughs) you know what I mean like it was definitely something like that and also with that I think there were moments later on in the game after honestly after Kristen Press came out where either it was like a breakaway or it was like one-on-one with the keeper and I was and we didn't honestly convert those chances and it was like we needed someone who a has been like doing this for such a long time and has done this so successfully but also I think one of the things that also makes that goal like I mean what makes it a goal is that she took it early and I feel like from the Canada game and also from parts of this game it was like too much I feel like of our attack was like oh how can we like slip this ball through and get someone like one-on-one with the keeper all these things but it was like sometimes you know just getting the ball early and taking a shot early can also work really really well and I think for like that's something that I want us to start doing more is like having more shots like I mean we have great strikers like it's not like we don't have anyone who can have like score a great goal from outside the box but also including that in our kind of um offensive game plan is something that I wish happened a little more often yeah you know you you made me think of something and I didn't write this down to talk about but I really want to want to make sure that we do mention it because Lynn Williams first of all I'm going to go ahead and do my Lynn Williams spiel for people because y'all need to chill Like, I don't really understand what's all this. Yeah, she missed a couple chances. And I understand that people are like, oh, she didn't score the goal that surely you would have scored. But backing away from that. Uh, But yeah, so so it's, it's wild to me because Vlatko has not been silent at all about what he asks Lynn Williams to do. He's very open about it. He talks about it all the time. He that's why Lynn Williams plays for it. He's she's almost in every eleven that he names. If she's available, he's going to put her out there on the right side because of what she does. And I think that what people really kind of need to look at is the way that kind of the way that football is played these days. Um, I guess probably all days, but specifically these days when you have when it's so intricate is that certain players have certain responsibilities. And Lynn Williams' first responsibility is pressure and aggressiveness. She is supposed to harass the back line and make sure that they don't have time on the ball to to really set themselves, that they're going to basically force the ball into midfield or force it long 
where we're going to recover it and turn over possession. And she is excellent at it. There is actually nobody in women's soccer who is better at it. Vlatko will say that time and time again. That is why she is in the team. Now, can she finish chances a little bit better? Yeah, absolutely. We would love to see her be, you know, this, that kind of player where Vlatko says she's undroppable because of the other attributes that she has. But also, those attributes are really important, and I want people to stop devaluing them because she does score. She maybe doesn't score as much as you think she should, but that's not a reason really to to discount the rest of her game because it's still really important. And, you know, I think even against Canada, I got really excited. I think I even tweeted, hell yeah, or something, because uh, Lynn Williams had a shot from outside the box. It was really kind of like Kristen Press kind of situation, except on the right side, where she got it kind of cut in and hit it with her right foot. And I was thinking, ooh, that's exactly what I want to see you do more. It seems like sometimes she tiptoes into the box and she gets really close and narrows the angle on herself a little bit. Whereas sometimes I think like like Courtney said, you take the ball, take the shot early and she has a better chance because she has a strike on her. That was a good shot. Like it had some power behind it. It was definitely on a target. That was a good shot. And the more I think she does that and she gains confidence in those kind of shots, I mean, I mean just it's kind of imagine a Lynn Williams that does what she already does, but is able to score some goals like that. You're talking about a player that has really no precedent in the women's game or the men's game for that matter, because what she does is absurd. So <laughs> Gonna sorry, score like 30 I'm goals off my soapbox now. I know, right? People <laughs> need to leave Lynn Williams. I'm absolutely Lynn Williams hive over here. Y'all need to chill. Also with that chance in this, I should two of those shots in Canada's game where it was like, cut it, cut in early. I remember that one. I think I tweeted, I was like, Lynn Williams was so close to scoring. Because, um, I mean, honestly, it was a really, really good shot. And I think um, Steph LeBay either caught it or like pushed it out for a corner kick or something like that. Um, but also I think that uh, it speaks a little bit to what Vlaco wants out of these players. Like, and I mean, you can tell this. All like all across the game, international up to elite world like world football. People like coaches want players a that do what they are asked for, but also fit into the system. So playing a high like you know a really high press system, um, Lynn Williams is going to do tremendously in that. She's got a lot of energy. She is aggressive, and also they want those turnovers higher and higher up the pitch. So you know lead goal scoring opportunities X, Y, and Z. Um, but I do wish that sometimes there was a little like would be a little bit more flexibility because you know if. And I mean, I think Canada did this for a good amount of the game of if you just neutralize or like find a way to neutralize one of our outside backs and one of our outside forwards. And it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen? And so I wish there was a little bit of that flexibility of that role. But it's like, I also understand that's exactly what Vlaka wants. It's also why like he's often playing Carly Lloyd. Like, I mean, I remember, especially in the World Cup, like there were just a lot of games where Carly Lloyd came in and it was just like, just put on the press ball and honestly get tackled a lot. And I was like, oh, crunching tackles. Um, but I mean, that was the system and what the coach wanted out of them. So of course they're going to go do that. And, you know, we do hope that they'll go and convert those chances, especially when they're one-on-one with the keeper. But in terms of keeping the coach happy and getting the most playing time, you're going to do what the coach wants you to do and how you're going to fit into that system. And she was, uh, non-defenders, Lynn Williams and Crystal Dunn were better than some defenders that are defenders. So I think they did great. Also has, I hadn't thought about this before now, but has uh, Crystal Dunn had to defend Davinia before? Like, you know, like in an actual match outside of like courage practice? Because I was like, <laughs> this is so wild to me. Yeah, I I don't know. And I do actually, that is a great segue because 
I did tweet out that I was going to talk about this moment for five minutes on the podcast. Sorry, it's not going to be for five minutes. But that <laughs> that turn where it was coming down the left and Dabinia, a beautiful dummy, turns and starts sprinting down and plays that ball. And so that happened. And I was like, I mean, I can't scream on the podcast, but I was like a woo, like, oh, what a turn. And then I was like, oh, snap, like something's about to go down. Let's see how we're, like what happens with our defense. And then truly out of nowhere. Uh, of course, like who else would it be when it's like you think a player is like through on goal, going to be an easy goal scoring opportunity. And then bam, Crystal Dunn comes out of nowhere with an incredible sliding tackle. There are some people who are going to say that there was a handball involved wrong go look up ifab <laughs> rules it bounced off off her leg and hit her hand that is by the laws of the game and for the premier league fans i bet you know all of them because var and the prem is a mess but you know that that's not a handball but also and this is one thing that i mean i could go on a rant about the handball rule but also when you were running that fast and then you go in for a sliding tackle there are probably few people few few players that can a, run that fast, get there, make a perfectly time. Because also, that tackle could have been bad time. She just took her out. Maybe, probably gets a red card, and they have a penalty. Boom, 1-0. But also, to have, like, to come in that fast and to still keep in control of your body, and your hand just happens to go up, like, that is a part of the game. But yeah, that whole sequence was, I mean, honestly, that <laughs> that tackle was so well-timed. It was, like, so pleasing to watch. Like, even if you're not, like, you know, um, United States fan, like, if you're just a soccer a footy fan, that well, perfectly well-timed tackle is so pleasing to watch, and I can honestly watch it. Like, the turn to the tackle, it was a truly, like, a perfect sequence of events. So, I don't know how much oxygen I want to give these folks that I'm about to mention, because truly it wasn't too many, but there were a couple people who popped up into my mentions and told me that that was bad defending on the part of Crystal Dunn, and the reason why she made that tackle is because she had to recover. Now, listen... <laughs> Listen. First of all, right? First of all, <laughs> let's 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 talk about it. All right. First of all, anytime your left back is making a last ditch tackle on the right side of the box, your whole defense messed up. All right. So don't don't give me this. It was her responsibility. Because first of all, what exactly happened in that match? Emily Sonnet was caught really high. For what reason? I have no idea what she was doing because she knew and was getting torched by Dabinia and Marta, which fair to her, that would happen to a lot of players. I'll also say fair to her. She's more of a center back than she is a right back. She may even be a better six than she is a right back. I think Paul Riley said that he would play her as a six at some point uh, because of her, you know, aggressiveness and ability to win to win uh win the ball back in midfield, but still. She was very high. <laughs> and that was really bad. And then the central defenders really kind of backed off and got turned around uh, by the pass. Now, this is kind of the thing with Crystal Dunn, right? We know that she's a better 10. We know that she's a better forward than she is a left back. But this is what makes her such an incredible player is just her ability. I think I said it on Twitter. She is a part-time fullback who's better than most full-time fullbacks. It's ridiculous. She has so much intelligence that she saw the danger happening and she knew that she needed to be the one to get behind her own central defenders <laughs> and be the one to get there for the sliding tackle. That is intelligence. That is awareness. And yes, the runner did come from her side, but the runner was pursuing a pass that was made on the right side of defense. The, and I, I wanted to tweak this, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to give these folks oxygen on my timeline. 
But the way that a, a back line works, I feel like we need to talk about that, right? Like when a runner, it, it's not man to man defense. When a when a runner moves, like the defense is supposed to cover. You pass the you pass the danger off. You communicate. That's why they have to talk to each other, and that's why defenses have to be so well organized because you have to make sure that everybody's aware of the same danger. They weren't. Crystal Dunn was, and that's why she was able to make that tackle. So like. Again, not to give them too much oxygen, but stop it. The only thing you saw there was that Crystal Dunn's amazing. And in, unless you try to say that, don't try to galaxy brain yourself into thinking, oh, well, hmm, she's the one that had to, that made the mistake in the first place. Nah, that was everybody else's mistake. And she came across the pitch to make up for it. You know what? She said that in the interview I did, I don't know if it was in the story, but in the interview, because she was talking about her preferred position, which is higher up. But so she when she, she's not as comfortable playing in the back because she's like, one pass away from having to be responsible. And yeah. if someone scores, like that's much worse than that's worse than anything else. Like that's just the worst possible outcome. And so she's always aware of like not going too far up because I'm the last line of defense. And like, I don't necessarily want to be doing this, but I have a job to do. So yeah, she's always aware. And that's just like a perfect example of like how great she is on every, every single thing she does, everything and you could tell Midge is kind of doing the same thing because she just wants to be on the field. It's like this. I may look like a fish out of water sometimes, but I'm doing what I need to do to be on the field. So as maybe maybe one day I can play my preferred position, but I just want to be here. And now look at them being <laughs> the most elite players. Crystal Dunn is like the most elite player on the pitch. And I saw somebody and I can't remember who it was and I, I shouldn't be getting aggravated, but <laughs> they were like, maybe we should be having a conversation about Crystal Dunn being one of the best uh, players in the world. And I was like, <laughs> I need to stop. I need to get offline. <laughs> that conversation has been had. We already made it. We, we agreed. So they, they just need to catch up, read the cliff notes. <laughs> I'll know to tell you. We had that conversation. So, it yeah, is so. I, but you know what? I do think a lot of people still need to catch up to yeah. a lot more people like, I know the list don't matter, the Oscars don't matter, but it's still annoying that yeah. people don't recognize what she's doing right now and at the level she's doing it. And I say it all the time. I'm going to be so annoyed 20 years when people are like, Crystal Dunn is the most underrated oh, U.S. Man. soccer player of all time. Nope, I'm not hearing it. I'm just going to box. I'm just going to box. I don't care. <laughs> it's but like, yeah. <laughs> rate her right now. Just right. rate her right now. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I do want to read a tweet because um, – and it was from Nancy Armour, who writes for, who's columnist for USA Today. And I retweeted it because it was like, she was talking about Crystal Dunn, um, probably in that thread of like, Crystal Dunn is the top five player in the world. And, it was, and she said, her, um, she called her defensive cornerstone offensive catalyst. And I feel like that is just a perfect summation of Crystal Dunn as a player. And I also do want to talk about back, back lines, because as maybe people have listened, I really, really enjoy tactics. <laughs> and like, that's how, often how I watch the game. And so because in that moment that Emily Sun is pulled so high, and this also happened a lot in Canada too, where it was like our outside backs are really, really high, but because either positioning or players just weren't like maybe we're doing different roles or weren't where they supposed to be. There was no one to kind of drop back to guard our two center backs. So because of that, since Emily Sant was high, Abidal Kemper got pulled forward. And then of course, Dabinia did the turn on her, which then just, you know, really opened up the entire pitch. But this also kind of goes back to defensive stabilities, missing Sam Mewis. Please heal your ankles, please. <laughs> <laughs> because there was so much Sending like healing vibes to your ankles <laughs> because it was like so much of that not only come from a not having 
the backline being really, really solid, but also, you know, having someone to go and protect that backline. And I know that, you know, Julie Ertz, that is her main job, but also having another person, you know, having two protectors of the backline is super helpful, especially at, um, against, you know, a team like Brazil, probably England, France. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is so, so important. And that is also something that I think generally was missing. Like this, obviously against Brazil, it wasn't as bad. And I don't think we were necessarily as shaky as against Canada. But those are things where I'm going to be looking towards for the future of like, hello, where is our defensive positioning? Like, how are we making sure that, for example, we're not cut out, but if we are caught out that we have, you know, someone back there, which honestly right now is Crystal Dunn of like, hey, let's have our person. And also Crystal Dunn was probably like past the halfway line on the other side of the pitch. Like that, that cross field run is insane. And I mean, I could honestly talk about it forever, but yeah, that it's going to like that having players perfect protect our defense is also going to be really important going forward too. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we we did go a little bit longer and talk about the games that I wanted to, but I still have one one more question and I'm going to pose it to both of you. I'm going to let you answer. It's going to be a leading question, so y'all probably just laugh and then give very simple answers. Um, given what we saw with Emily Sonnet right back, especially against a team like Brazil, we do have Casey Kruger and even though I am extremely hashtag free Midge. Uh, I am part of that movement. Yes. Um, we also have Midge Purse in the camp. So should should one of them be starting over Emily saying, I don't want to say that Son is just completely bad. That was a hard task. Like I want to, I don't want to downplay it. Trying to, trying to defend Dabinia and Marta is bad, <laughs> very bad, <laughs> bad times as a defender. But if you're going to, you have to be aware of that. And I think you also have to be aware of your recovery pace and your positioning. And it seemed like a, for a large portion of the match, she wasn't. Um, Casey Kruger is kind of your more traditional right back. And Midge Purse is more of your attacking uh, right back, of course, because, you know, free Midge. She's actually a forward, just in case people didn't know. Um, right, free Midge. Uh, so, yeah, what, Bria, what do, you, what do you think? Do you want to see more opportunities uh, at right back for Casey Kruger and, and, of course, Midge Purse, especially in matches like against Brazil, where you're going to have to do quite a bit of defending and getting up and down that flank a lot more? Honestly, for multiple re- Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> but the number one, well, definitely for Casey Kruger. Because this is the this is the this is the time to see what this person can do against the best players in the world. And personally, I believe I believe Casey Kruger is up there with the best defending because I mean she's been locking down Tobin Heath for like three years. That's what's just what I'm gonna say. But I just feel like the last year, wait, no, 2019, um, Jill Ellis was like, I'm taking these players because they have experience on the world stage and other players don't. Okay, so I don't want to see a repeat of that. Test these players now because, I mean, this is a game. I mean, she believes Cup doesn't matter. <laughs> like, whoever wins this doesn't matter. Test the players to see who is the best, especially if, I mean, Blacko said he was um, happy with Sonic's performance, but okay, like, try see what Casey Kruger played 10 minutes against Canada and didn't play it at all against Brazil, right? So what's going on? You brought her back into camp, so she must not be injured. I just I just feel like why just why not? Even if because Midge, I mean she did get to play, but like I'm just I'm not necessarily sold on <laughs> Midge playing against Sabina quite yet. <laughs> like being that right <laughs> in that Fair. situation. Fair. But I mean I just don't see the the reason not to put Casey in to even test test anybody. Um I don't know. Not e- even if he's n- okay. If he is happy, just still like what she believes. Is first of all, y'all made it up. It's not for real. 
things out. That's just, that's annoying me. And it just bother me. And I do, I don't know, I just foresee annoying things happening whenever the Olympics happen. So that's why, I think that's why it's doubly annoying because it's, we say, oh, it's just like, is it the self-fulfilling prophecy? Is it, am I being like, am I losing my mind? Or can you just test these players out before the Olympics if you want them to have experience before the Olympics? It's like, we want you to have a bachelor's degree and some experience, but <laughs> I to get the experience first, friends. So Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I do think Blacko will be more aware. I think that's how Christy Mewis got into the team by her, you know, pro, um, performances in the NWSL. And I do wish that, you know, he, he understands how good of a right back uh, Casey Kruger is. He's had to he, he's had to go against her a few times. Uh, so I am hoping that seeing her in the NWSL does uh, perform in the NWSL, so it does give him more to go on but yeah you're completely right if you're going if if it's a question and you have this made-up tournament <laughs> to where you can have those questions answered I'm not too sure why you wouldn't put her out there so uh Courtney what do you think yeah and um a the she believe cup is a made-up tournament truly made me lose it for a little bit um but also thinking a Kelly Harris still in the mix um she's injured right now but assuming you know that's still happening um but I think you know, nowadays thinking about the modern fullback of wanting someone who's like good offensively and they are sorry, good defensively and then really going forward offensively. Obviously, that's really going to lend to Mitch Purse. But also, I think at the end of the day, like you are going to need someone who is stable in defense and like <laughs> plays defense all the time. And while I'm always free Mitch, like I thought this would could be a really good opportunity for Casey Kruger, especially knowing, hey, we don't have like maybe our dream starting lineup. We saw Canada, we were a little shaky defensively. I mean, yeah, we always want to attack the wings and stuff like that, but why not put in someone like Casey Kruger, Casey Kruger, Casey Kruger, who has a lot of experience like playing as an outside back and giving that part of the defense like some stability. Yeah, completely. And she's not unfamiliar to Dabinia, by the way. They have played in a final against each other, and obviously they did well. And, and Dabinia wasn't playing, you know, forward at the time. Uh, but yeah, she she still understands her. She knows her tendencies. Um, and given that, you know, the the match against Canada, they lined up in the, in the same way. That that um, right side of defense was overloaded because Martin and Dabinia were just doing outrageous combinations. And honestly, shout out to them because they balled out. <laughs> Love watching them. We are Diaspora United, so we do uh, bring them in to the Big tent and say shout out to y'all. All right. All right. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, we're going to get back uh, to it and talk about the whack part of the game, uh, which happened very early in the match. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get all of our thoughts on it in just a quick second. So give us a hang with us through the break and we'll be right back. conversation about all the things in the match that were exciting to us that were interesting to us we kind of analyzed it a little bit and now we're going to talk about what happened pre-match because randomly out of nowhere no statement was released or anything uh all the players ended up standing for the anthem i can't speak for anybody else but i i think i even tweeted this that that was real distracting to me it was it was hard for me to pay attention to that game after that because it was 
it it felt weird. Uh, it was not something that was expected. It seemed like it came from a place. I don't know how voluntary it was. Um, we did get to only talk to Kristen Press and Crystal Dunn at the end of the game. That's who U.S. Soccer sent out to talk, unfortunately. Um, Crystal Dunn was asked a question about it. Kristen Press was not. Um, I was really disappointed, even though they had great games, and I always want to talk to them about about soccer, about their games, about you know uh, what they saw and tactically and everything. I do think that U.S. Soccer knew this was going to be a thing, and it would have been good for them to put out a white player to to field some of these questions. Unfortunately, they did not. So Crystal Dunn spoke. She gave a quote that was basically that, you know, nailing was never supposed to be a long-term thing uh, and that they are continuing to do work to really make change. Um, I think, you know, I, I went back and forth on whether I'm going to read, you know, the the full quote, you know, verbatim. But I think that all of us here understand kind of what this possibly was. So I guess I'll just stop there and ask, Bria, what was your kind of, of take on like the whole situation? You know, your, your initial reaction to seeing it and then Crystal Dunn afterwards having to be the one to confront it and, and give the quote, the quote in air quotes, the quote that everybody was going to run with. So the, so when, so I'm usually, I usually don't care. I usually am not even there for the anthem and like, you know, usually I don't care what's going on, but I did. I think my first thought was seeing Crystal Dunn and Kristen Press um, just not only standing, but like in their hands behind their back, but they didn't look necessarily happy. And I'm like, are they okay? Are, how are they being treated? Oh my goodness. Are these conversations again, as bad as the, as the, um, how they were in the challenge cup? as Midge talked about on the U.S. soccer video with Daniel Slayton. That was my first, that was like my initial thought because I'm like, are are these people going to survive being in this national team? And I know it seems extreme, but it's like there's actual like uh, studies and evidence that like experiencing racism every day in the workplace, all this stuff like physically affects you and like manifests physically. And I know they're athletes, but like, you know how athletes are getting COVID and having like basically being an athlete doesn't protect you from everything that comes with being a black person in America. So that was my first thing. And I know it sounds, I just feel like, I feel like I've been so for so long, you, you, I get, you get so much pushback that you feel like, am I losing my mind by am, people call you extreme? Like this is not actually extreme. So that was my initial thought. Like, I'm just like, are, I just remember like I'm picturing again, like, are they okay? Because I don't care. I care. But I don't care what these the white players have going on, <laughs> because that's for for the black sportswoman. I'm amplifying and talking about um, the black athlete. I do want to know, though. I didn't go to the press conference because I wasn't supposed to be working on Sunday. But I sincerely want to know or and want people to ask white players. And I know they weren't at after the game, but people are getting interviews. Like I, that's how I got an interview with Crystal Dunn, reaching out to the PR person. Like people have opportunities to ask white players to ask the now I haven't been covering US soccer for that long so I don't know who's like in charge of stuff in the way that a GM would be but at like how I asked Lisa Baird like how are you supporting your players they people have opportunities to ask these people in charge how they're work how they're basically making black players lives how are they helping them survive because at this point it's it's sincerely life or death. Like if I think about so many black women athletes I've researched who've done great things and died early, like it's not 
it's like a game, but it's not just a game. So that's why, like how you were saying, like it wasn't even fun to watch anymore because it's this is this is very serious. So that's the things that's been bothering me. Um, how are they being treated? And I feel like watching. I didn't watch. Like I watched the press conference after, but like Crystal Dunn's um, body language, she just seemed frustrated. And we don't, especially in the press conference, you're not gonna get to and unless you have like a real relationship with the player and, and it's built over time you're not gonna know how she's feeling like why would she trust us at this point why would she trust people that sent her out I mean she did play well and Kristen Press scored the goal but U.S. soccer people knew that these questions were coming and it's just frustrating that black players are gonna if, if black players are out there at the press conference black players are gonna be the ones who are answering these questions because people are gonna ask them instead of focusing on what they should focus on because the black players they have a whole black women's players collective they're doing work in their communities crystal dunn is single-handedly changing the trajectory of her career getting forbes articles saying you should pay attention to me um you should pay attention to all these other black women um that are doing all these great things like black the, the black players are doing the work in their communities with each other standing up for themselves fighting for themselves like they don't need to be as answering questions about people that are not even at least symbolically supporting them. And I know it's like not all, all about the elite kneeling, but I still want to know like, okay, a person that is standing, why are you doing something that's opposite of your teammate who is a black person who is going through this visible pain, who has been dealing with racism for so long and has, has told you about this? Why is this a choice that you are making? How are you making their lives and careers survivable? Like, how are you supporting them? How are you moving things forward? Because it is on, it is not on the black players to, the black players have been working to save themselves, but we're not going to go forward if the white players aren't doing any kind of work because we just gonna keep doing the same thing we've been doing for centuries. Like black, like these players have been saying the same thing for so long. Crystal Dunn has done the same interview for so long. Like I can't, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm stuck in a time warp. Like we cannot keep doing the same thing. And I'm so sorry that I just went, like I just could not stop talking because I'm getting so annoyed because we can't meet us three. We can't be the only ones asking these questions and we can't, only ask them once like it's just so frustrating to be having the same conversation over and over and yeah but as I retweeted the tweet earlier as Asata Shakur said um it is our duty to fight for our freedom so we got to keep going so (laughs) yeah um well I do want to say so I actually didn't watch the anthem I honestly didn't click into the game until probably till like about five minutes um because my stream was just deciding to beef with me but So I only, like, I first learned about it because my friend Jacob, shout out to Jacob, uh, like, DM'd me on Twitter and it was like, players standing for the national anthem. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we saw what happened, like, the game before, like, that kind of makes sense. And he was like, no, all the players are standing. And I was like, pardon? What? Like, what do you mean all the players are standing? Um, And so, yeah, I missed a lot of that coming into the match. But I don't know. It's, I mean, it is frustrating. And I understand, like, Crystal Dunn, for example, and... Like, isn't the first player to say that, the, like, we need to do more work than just kneeling. I don't necessarily think kneeling, kneeling as an action shouldn't have been taken in a vacuum of saying, like, oh, we kneel, now we're solving racism. Like, no, there's, um, there's a lot more to that. But I, I don't know, it was just, it was really, really frustrating um, because also the backdrop of this conversation was the graphics that U.S. Soccer put out, all white players, um, and, you know, we were tweeting about it on the pod account. Uh, a lot of people were talking about it online, talking about, like, I mean, no, you shouldn't only spotlight players in Black History Month, but also the Black History Month. Like, it's Black History Month. Um, you should have Black players in your graphics. And so it was 
really frustrating to see that backdrop um, of, okay, the continued exclusion, at least in terms of marketing, um, of having, you know, Black players not centered, but then having them stand for the national anthem. And the one thing I'm curious about of like, and I mean, I would have loved to have been a fly on a wall in these conversations of like, we are all not going to kneel or like we all are going to kneel. But to me, it also shows that like the the reason why we're talking about this right now is that like the work needs to continue. Like, and I, I mean, I tweeted about this yesterday that I, I watched the Canada Argentina game and all of can every Canada player, coaches, staff, everyone on from the can- Canadian side on that pitch were kneeling during their national anthem. All of them, Black Lives Matter t-shirts. Like, and I mean, to be fair, you couldn't tell by the camera angles because there were a lot of them were close up, so you didn't know they were kneeling until they cut out to a wide shot. But I don't know. I I'm thinking about the message it sends. And I know that these like quotes are saying we're going to continue doing the work and something like that. But I remember, for example, when Brentford, a male team in the championship in England, came out with a statement saying that they weren't going to kneel because they wanted to continue doing the work. They're like, kneeling isn't going to solve it. We need to keep doing the work. It was after like a lot of players had been racially abused online for probably doing something like missing a penalty or a sitter or something like that. And the problem with it is that, and don't ask me why I did this, but when they tweeted that, I looked through the quote tweets and I like scrolled through some of the comments and the all lives matter crowd, the people who, that you're quote unquote supposed to be kneeling for to like, like, hello, racism exists. They felt like they won. And that is a problem for me of, and no, I don't think it necessarily should kneel forever, but even either releasing a statement before or after the game, maybe from the Black Players Collective. But just seeing that, I immediately thought of those tweets when the players in England stopped decided not to kneel and the All Lives Matter crowd felt like they won. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. I, I really, I, I know I tweeted about it, but I want to go ahead and reiterate the point is that, you know, the Canadian team all knelt. Why in the world? Well, we know why, but... White Americans should really interrogate why that team has never knelt. The U.S. Women's National Team has never knelt as one. They never have. Canada came out and did it twice. And to me, that speaks to a very unique and specific thing about whiteness in America. And I really think it needs to be interrogated because it's frustrating that the only time that unity, quote unquote, unity can be shown is when we're doing the thing that white people want to do. Um, and that's what's discouraging about this. And I do agree, you know, obviously, you know, I, I received a lot of these comments, you know, kneeling isn't the only thing, you know, blah, 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 the work is what matters. And normally the people who tell you that aren't doing any work themselves. <laughs> so I don't really know why they think that that's kind of like the the card to pull on me uh, to to win an argument. But my point with this team, and I and I did write about this on All for 11, is that This wasn't about kneeling in terms of awareness. This was the Black players saying, support us. This was the Black players saying, recognize our struggle, the year that we've been through, the life that we've had, the the path that we've had to go through to get here, which has been so much harder than so many of y'all's, and they still couldn't do it. So that, to me, is the thing that makes it so hurtful, is that it wasn't even about like uh, everybody knows about Black Lives Matter. They may have a different opinion on what Black Lives Matter is, but you care about it enough to, you know, for U.S. soccer to to print it on the front of track jackets and everybody to wear to to rock it, and then they can't even do a bare minimum thing. And so, to me, what what I really got when I kind of sat with it and was looking at you know all the players standing is and with Crystal Dunn's quotes. What kept coming to my mind was just the weight of white apathy. Like you just 
like, what are you supposed to, if you're Crystal Dunn, if you're Kristen Press, if you're Lynn Williams, what else are you supposed to do? You've knelt a number of times. You've tried, you've had all these, you know, conversations, which is now the, the, the word that everybody, we've, we've had good conversations. We've had conversations. But what have you had conversations about? What have you learned from those conversations? That's what I really want to hear. And the frustrating thing to me is you, you see all of that happen. And then suddenly you see them with no statement or anything, because I guarantee you, if they were like, you know what, we feel like we're in a great place. We got some exciting things coming up about what we're going to do in the space of, of racial justice, like we're going to put a statement out and we're going to stand for the anthem and we're just going to get to work. I guarantee you they put out a statement if that's how they feel, but they didn't. And all of a sudden it happened. And to me, you cannot look at what happened given the history of not only just 2020, obviously life, and also the history of trying to get other members of that team to care enough to join you. That to me, it just, it just was kind of heartbreaking to see that White apathy is just something that is extremely burdensome and it's frustrating. How many times are you going to continue to make yourself even more of a target when it's not really like your your own teammates won't even listen to you? Another thing and another thing, because I know the dealing is a point to basically break, just bring awareness to the the problems in general. And then, you know, they're talking about doing work outside of just like outside of the sport in their communities and stuff. But it really makes me wonder what this environment is like. Um, because I know like everyone is like, you know, it's pay yeah. to play in America. And, you know, like it's obviously not diverse in many spectrums, not just in terms of not enough black people, but like, I still am always like, where's the Latinas in like on the, like the national team or right. like in the system. <laughs> right. But I'm just, that's, I'm really, I'm, con it's like, there's, it's, it's so, it's just so concerning because what, who is making the actual changes? Who, what are the, where are the actions that behind the scenes, like I know everything isn't going to be visible immediately, but where are the actual changes or the partnerships or the, like, so I'm thinking, for example, the, I know it's a different demographic, but the WBA partnered with the African American Policy Forum and they had these different education series. They, they had Instagram live series recently. They had talking to different like policymakers and like all this stuff, um, last summer. And I'm sure, I mean, their conversations are continuing because they do, they're doing the Instagram stuff. But in terms of like the actual U.S. soccer system and the, Honestly, the NWSL two from headquarters to team level. I am trying to figure out who is Sarah. Sarah Gordon started this. Did she start this scholarship program for like young black girls in Chicago? The the Black Women's Players Collective partnered with this coaches like association to diversify the game. The Black Women's Players Collective is like educating on black history like this month, all like using social media. They have some secret projects they keep teasing and stuff, and I'm like. But what are they doing? What is U.S. soccer doing on a mass level to not repeat the same things we're, we're continue to do? And so when they when it seems when we see all this chaos um, and it doesn't seem like well when you see players not being supported, even if it's a gesture, and it's like I know it's only a gesture, but even if it's just that gesture, it makes me wonder. Okay, what else are you doing? Because I'm okay. I am totally okay if you are not kneeling and you're doing stuff behind the scenes, but you can't. To me, you can't do nothing and expect me to not be concerned. 
So yeah, and that was the that was my biggest problem, you know, with them not putting out a player that we could actually ask these questions to. You know, there there needed to be someone white on the team to say, okay, so we just saw what happened. We saw that a lot of the black players did not kneel. You know, we saw that the players, the white players who had been kneeling, did not either. So what happened? What were those conversations about? Where are you guys coming from? What does actually wearing Black Lives Matter on your track jackets mean to you? What does you know? What since since you're no longer kneeling, what what's coming up next? What are you doing? What kind of work are you getting involved in? How are you going to support your teammates? That's the ultimate question that needs to be asked of white players, especially to me, in my opinion, the ones who stood and refused to kneel. Emily Sonnet, Julie Ertz, Lindsey Horan. I, I want those questions asked, specific questions asked to those players, and I wish I could get to them myself, <laughs> but that's proving to be difficult. Uh, but yes, I want to talk to them and say, you know, okay, this is the way it's going now. What are you doing? What's next? What are you doing to support your black teammates? Because from our view, from the viewer's view, we never saw you do anything more than put on a track jacket that someone from U.S. soccer handed you or left in your locker. That's all that we saw. We never saw you kneeling. I don't, we're, we're not privy to the conversations that you had. We know that they clearly didn't impact you enough for you to join your teammates when they were kneeling on, on during the anthem even once. So what are you doing? It's kind of my question overall. And I really want an answer to that. And I really think that U.S. soccer messed up by not allowing us to answer those, to ask those questions. And I do think it was somewhat intentional. I also think that part of it is COVID and that we all have to kind of sit on a Zoom call and U.S. soccer decides who comes. And I think that Kristen Press and Crystal Dunn definitely deserved some some their credit and a lot of adulation after the games that they had. So I'm not mad at all that they were selected. But I think that you could also have another player. You know, I, I think I saw a couple of journalists tweet the same thing where if this was a normal game, you know, non-COVID and we were all there, you have something called a mixed zone where all the players kind of like congregate and all the media kind of congregate and you basically can just ask questions. We don't get that right now. U.S. soccer is in control of everything. And I think given what happened, somebody needed to say, hey, we need to make some player available. They probably would have made it Becky and that would have been fine too. <laughs> but I, I think it would have been better than kind of making Crystal Dunn be the voice of this because she shouldn't have to be. Right. And what, and I have two more points to add. One, I was, I th I was thinking about that, that pan shot they showed of all the players standing and uh, Crystal and Christian being just like visibly either angry or uncomfortable. And for a split second, I thought, are they thinking like, well, shit, we're going to have to talk about this in the postgame presser. Um, but also about the players, like, even though I definitely don't think that black players should have to answer for this, we are also already know how Becky Sauerbrunn feels. And it's like, I understand putting her out, she's captain of the team, also very deservedly so. Or like putting out Megan Rapinoe, like, we know how they feel, right? They're probably going to say maybe some iteration of the same thing. It's like, what what about Carly Lloyd, Lindsay Horan, so, like someone else who's on the team who either, who either A, did like has stood the entire time, but I would also be curious to know like, from a player who was kneeling, who, you know, like their opinions aren't like very readily available. Um, like I, that's the person I think who I would most want to talk to. Cause it's like, A, you should not have put the black players through that. B, we already know what, you know, Becky and Megan are going to say. What about the other people? Like, tell us about this conversations. Tell us about the work you're doing. Um, like, I don't know. I, I just think the whole handling of it was a mess. 
And you know what's interesting is somebody else tweeted uh, tweeted this as well. I, I want to say it was Claire Watkins, but if it wasn't, then whoever you were, sorry, I gave Claire uh, your credit. Uh, but I think she said that Julie Ertz hasn't been available for the media since the summer. I, th- I believe in June, perhaps. Why? You know, like, like she, they, they have no problem, you know, marketing her. You know, she is one of the faces of the team. She, she, and and she's an excellent player. So I, I get that. I'm not saying she shouldn't be, but normally when you're in that kind of role, you do have team responsibilities that include talking to the media, and she has not had to do that. She didn't have to do it when we were playing uh, when they were in January camp. And then in the two matches versus Columbia and then, you know, leading up to She Believes. And then, of course, in these two matches, not at all. So it's just like and I left Carly Lloyd off the list I I gave earlier. So, yeah, add her to the list. But, yeah, I I agree with Courtney. Like these are players we need to talk to. They they are they need to answer some of these questions or at least they had a need or at at the very least they need to have the, the questions asked to them. Because there's a lot of information and there's a lot that we don't know. And I do think that it is just really kind of, you know, frustrating from my side because I want to I want to have these conversations. I want to talk to these players and we can't. <laughs> and that that's kind of infuriating. And so what you end up having is you have a lot of people and this. I, I don't know if this happened to y'all online, but this definitely happened to me all night after the tweets that I put out there. And and I and Bria, I got it. I got to. I, I got to commend you. I got to get on your level in terms of social media. I got to just be like, I'm done with this. I'm gone for 24 hours a week, whatever. <laughs> like legit, I, I need to do that because all that kept happening to me was, did you see what Dunn said? Did you see what Dunn said? And I'm like, y'all got to stop. Do you care? Crystal Dunn's been doing interviews every day. <laughs> do you care what she has said any other time? Did you tweet her Forbes article? Did you tweet any other article that she's had out there when she talked about the face of women's soccer needs to not be so black and not to be so white? Like, do you care about what Crystal Dunn says any other time except just now? And, you know, your timelines are public. I can scroll. I don't see anything. So, like, what's going on? Like, don't don't use a black woman as a shield. No, no, sir. Not at all. Don't do that. And so I just was so frustrated that kept happening. And I know that in a way, U.S. soccer, in a way, Crystal Dunn herself knew that this was going to happen. And I think that's why Bria made a good point in saying, you know, you can take her quotes as like the the printout of them, I suppose, and you can say, ah, there it is. And you can think that that's enough. But if you have any awareness of race in America, if you have any awareness of even Crystal Dunn herself's own body language while she's talking about this stuff, it's weariness. And you can tell. And it's not just because she ran all over the pitch and her touch map looked ridiculous and her heat map looked ridiculous. And she ran across the pitch from left back to right back to make a tackle. It was more than that. <laughs> what it's it's in the same vein the reason I get off Twitter because when I find myself getting so mad I have to remember what I'm supposed to be doing because I had to check myself so you know I don't I was being petty it was something not related to sports at all but I was like ooh, let me see what's going on and then I made myself mad by finding something like racism in classes that was being talked about and I was like look I set myself up I should have been minding my own business but even with the stuff yesterday like I was like okay I need to i Definitely not. I need to get off the. I need to get off the internet because I'm getting mad for what. Like it's Twitter, and then not even about not even about what happened, but just like I don't even like Twitter all that much. So it was just like a compounding of like a bunch of things. But like I'm like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I researched for the first time in like a week today, 
And I'm like, I need to be focused on my work that I'm supposed to be doing. And it may not be on every U.S. soccer call, but <laughs> I need to be like doing my own thing. So, yeah, that's I had to get off because I'm like focusing on the wrong thing, focusing on the wrong thing. How am I doing my part to move us forward? Because I'm tripping. But no, I'm really um, I, ca- I can't have con- I hate Twitter so much. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, one thing that I do want to say, thinking about all of these quote-unquote conversations, I mean, I think I believe that they are having conversations. I don't think they just go in the locker room and it's like silence. But also thinking about, for example, dynamics on the team, right? Like, and Crystal Dennis talked about this all, like often of how you know you don't want to necessarily come in and make people upset because in a place as competitive as U.S. soccer, like that could be the reason why you're out. Like, it sucks. And, but like, that's kind of the reality. So I also, like, I am a little bit wary that, you know, maybe these players weren't ready to stop kneeling, but it got into a point of frustration maybe for other people or something like that. And it was just kind of like a, I mean, kind of what Andre was saying of this weariness that honestly, and most black people could tell. I mean, I was not on that Zoom call, but I watched her post um, comments because they posted on US Soccer's YouTube page today. And you can tell that off the bat. And it's like something very specific that I think black and brown people in this country can tell the kind of the weariness. And so I just hope that this, I mean, I hope that it was actually productive conversations and they made this group as this made this decision as a team and all that stuff. But I'm also nervous about just how it is in the locker room and hoping that it doesn't negatively affect these players. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really the main point of where we're all coming from, because we all, you know, all all three of us understand being in those spaces, not feeling supported, having to deal with, you know, even even if it's, you know, white apathy is also racism, by the way. So like, like it is, it does have an impact. It does have a feel. There is some trauma that is uh, inflicted by people being apathetic to you and your struggles and things that you have to live with, deal with, overcome, yada, yada. So I am, you know, in complete agreement with Courtney Ambria that like, I do hope that the environment's okay. I do hope that those players are doing all right. And at the very least, I hope that they are able to support each other. And I do hope that it's enough because it seems, it seems really difficult to be part of this team right now. Um, if I'm going to be honest, I think that the way the team is playing, they're playing well, they're winning a lot. Uh, they look good while doing it, which is also, you know, a really good thing. Great to see <laughs> Vlatko's system versus Jill Ellis' system is much different. They're playing so much better, so much looser, so much good football. Courtney's about to go on a rant. Tactics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, tactics. Ta- it. Actual tactics. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I still think that when you have to think about all this stuff that's going on and you have to know that some of your teammates straight up don't care enough, that is damaging. And so I do hope that they're all right. I hope everyone has a good deep conditioning session for their hair. That's true <laughs> self-care. Oh, you know what's funny? Crystal, I'm, so in our interview, I wish I would have asked her about this, but I love her hair. But I'm like, we are definitely hair twins right now. So <laughs> I love that for me, really. Because, I mean, we're born the same year, but like, one of us is doing much better than the other. But I really want... Um, a lot of fans, I mean, this is something we all have thought about at one point, but a lot of fans have brought up recently about how they wish black players were asked, like, you know, no, questions not about race or trauma, like when they get interviews, which I um, also made a point to ask Crystal Dunn about that, too, like they're not interviewed because I'm thinking about how, like, I, I wanted to ask her actually about what is it like to be kind of the face of 
diversity or like, you know, at least the interviews of like the diversity of women's soccer in America. But even when I asked, like, I was like, okay, um, like, in the, when they talk about the next five years, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want for like your career and your life and whatever? And like, the first thing she said was just to feel like herself and to like, mm. like, live up, feel like herself. And then the second thing she said, it was like a little bit later in the conversation, or actually at the end, she was like, oh yeah, I just want to say, like, I want this to be the year of Black like, women's soccer. So like, it is obviously like a priority, but like, ask about some dang chickens. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I've been to ask about the dang chickens forever. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you know what? I really wish I I just couldn't get on the call because I was just I wasn't supposed to be working. And I'm trying not to work every day now. But I want to ask Kristen Press about that scarf gifted to her or blessed by the Dalai Lama gifted to her, or whatever. That I posted about that. How I found that that's apparently the best free thing she's ever gotten. And I'm like a free story idea. Figure out that somebody find out that story <laughs> because that's probably like a gold mine of just like precious jewels. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that and, and, you know, we we Courtney and I talked about this with this with this podcast, too, is, you know, it, we ex- we want to celebrate. So when we have players on, we want to talk to them about, you know, we, we want to talk to them about this, whatever they want to talk about. You know, we don't always want to be this, you know, the, the black drama podcast. That ain't what it's about. We'll talk about it. You know, we, we ain't going to ignore it. But when we have a player on, we want to have fun. We want we want to kick it. We want to have a good time with them and want them to talk about whatever they want to talk about. So. I want to ask Chris Dunn first about them chickens because there was a, right. I, said, I think it was maybe on your, um, on Black Sportsman, you had a graphic today of talking about her and the chickens and how she's always concerned about the chickens. Yeah. Um, which is. <laughs> that was incredible. a great quote. <laughs> it's a great, it is a great quote. Uh, but also, I mean, it's like, it, I mean, I love hair care and makeup and all that stuff. And it's like, tell me about your deep conditioning routine. What do you do? That, who, like, who, <laughs> Like, like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, just also opening a space for black players to be able to be themselves and feel like themselves and make jokes. Like, I mean, with Tegan, like we had so much fun talking with her on our last podcast. And like, I mean, even though hilariously, we talked a lot about the snow, but also, I mean, what else are you really going to talk about when it truly feels like it's happening every two days and you can't stand it? But, you know, we had like, it, that was a really fun conversation. So opening that space for players to be themselves with someone who you know, kind of gets it. We don't know what it's like to be pro athletes, but we know what it's like to be black in America. Like, so, you know, opening that space also was really, really important for players. So it's not just a, hey, let me come ask you about diversity and race. Because it's like, we don't want to be all, only asked those questions. Why are we only asking them those questions? Like, tell me about how it feels to meg someone on a world stage. <laughs> Yo, that's exactly I what know I that. need. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a question I can't wait to ask somebody. Well, awesome. <laughs> Flip side, what is it like being sauced on the world stage? Big sad. <laughs> I'm actually very interested in this because, oh, the like, the honesty, I'm actually curious because it has to suck. Oh, it has right? to suck. Like, especially during the World Cup when they literally do compilations of people getting sauced. Deeply embarrassing. Like, I would be One of my so favorite things about nutmegs, especially is when, when the person who nutmegs them already know, like sets them up and knows it's going to happen because it's all one move. They meg and then they run by you and there's nothing you can do but just stand there and turn around. That's got to be just the loneliest feeling in the world to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to walk out the stadium because this is ridiculous. I didn't sign up for this. I mean, I don't want to say it, but one of, one of our players got megged uh, during the Brazil game and I caught it when I was rewatching and I was like, yeah. oh, you hate to see it. Yeah. I hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Not during Black History Month. 
I know, right? <laughs> we weren't, weren't going to bring that up. We had a silent pact and we weren't going to bring that up, Courtney. Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but also, so I mean, so, but also players also got soft. Other, uh, like, Brazilian players got soft. So it's even. But also, don't do that during Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> right? Re- respect, the, respect the month. Come on now. All right. Um, uh, yeah, I think we I think we've said all we want to say on that. Does it? And actually, I won't make that decision. Does anybody have anything they felt like they wanted to say on that um, on this topic on the, on the anthem thing or anything else that they wanted to say before we before we get out of here? I'm very much still excited to see what like I don't know. I'm still excited for all the like. I'm excited for Brazil. I'm excited for like these stars. Like I really I mentioned like during our break about Ludmila and. Like I should have worn my Formiga jersey today because I it's a little it's a little snug though. But like I just I'm very I'm just excited. Like I just still feel sometimes I feel guilty watching sports now. Well, all the time. This is probably the first live like the She Believes Cup, like the first like live sporting event I've watched in a while. At least that I can remember. But my memory's messed up. But it's had, it's been a while. I haven't watched any basketball. So like I still feel the love of the game and like I still enjoy and I still want to support black players from around the world um no matter how angry I am like all the other stuff but I do like I don't know this this podcast this recording has like kind of reignited like my fire in terms of like what I need to be doing so thank you for having me on like y'all are just y'all make me want to go get my Spanish study and all so I could go talk to some uh from other countries I want to take this moment to shout out Bria for A, being incredible, for yes. B, honestly being the reason this podcast exists. Yep. Shout out to Bria. Um, and so you guys should all, Bria, please tell us where we can find you and your work. Um, TheBlackSportsWoman.com. Please subscribe to my free newsletter. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, don't please subscribe. Go subscribe. <laughs> yes. If you yes. listen to this right now, <laughs> go subscribe. It's an get order. Get on your phone. Get on, <laughs> get on your computer, your laptop, whatever is connected to the internet that is near you. Go to theblacksportswoman.com. And you know what? Screenshot and send it to us. I want receipts. Go subscribe. You know what? Thank you. Because I'm trying to get my free sign up. Uh, I mean, the whole publication is free, but the more free sign ups we get, the better. And so I'm on TikTok. It's the Black Sports Woman. Uh, Instagram, the Black Sports Woman, Twitter, Black Sport Woman, and yeah, BlackSportsWoman.com has links to all that stuff. But yeah, I'm very, it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, Black History Month wasn't the content I wanted to have. Like, I didn't have as much content, but I got to remember I'm only one person. But yeah, we're we're on the internet. We're, we're making waves, slowly yeah. but surely, all three of us. And I love it. <laughs> yes, and we'd love to have you back also so we can talk about Formiga because it's Formiga. Like... <laughs> Uh, one thing that I am excited about is I have a France Wendy Renaud jersey coming in the mail from <gasps> France. And the joy that I have in my heart, because I talked about it on Meg's podcast, and then someone tweet, like sent me a link. And I was like, let me go see if like, the actual Federation has it instead of like getting um, a duplicate, uh, like a replica jersey. And I saw they did, and they had customization. So I'm overjoyed. <laughs> Let me picture when it gets there. I want to see this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> DHL has been texting me every day. I'm so excited. <laughs> Look, I'm going to have to find polka dot pants and just make it a fit. <laughs> okay, so now you got to tweet out the whole fit. Whatever you, whatever you come up with, we got to see it. Because uh, I don't know about the polka dot pants, but I'm going to let you do you. I'm going to let you shine. Wear them PSG, pink and, uh, those pink and purple 
that's a fit. I literally saw a sweatsuit of it yesterday and I said to someone, take my money. <laughs> right. I think I'm just going to wait for, for Leon to come out with their next shirts and wait for a Macario shirt because I don't really like what they got going on right now. They're, they're a little too basic. Hopefully they step it up next season. But anyway, <laughs> these are conversations for another time. <laughs> Again, thank you very much, Bria, for joining us, for talking about this. We're talking some fun soccer, but also talking the nonsense that happened uh, before the before the game. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, and thank you again for your work in this podcast. You are the reason we exist. So we really appreciate you um, hooking us up. So thank you once again. And uh, Courtney, any last things? Or want to say, just say goodbye to the good people. I do have to say we dropped a logo in case you have not oh. been listening to this podcast or following our feed. We did <laughs> drop a logo. Shout out to Rohan. He, you are incredible. Uh, this logo is so fire and we thank you a million times over for designing it for us. And thank you to Courtney who is shy, but y'all tell her how good that animation was because she did it. I, I basically was just like, yo, it's dope. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah, just post it. Go for it. So yeah, it's awesome. And uh, and let her know. She, she's shy, but it's fine. She'll know. accept it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.